This is the Power Power Podcast. My name is Sarah of Underground Crowds. We hit Bible topics, smash book studies, punch out some songs here and there, and light up his word to strengthen our souls. Thanks for listening. Yes, here we are. We're back on the wagon. Um, Yep. Second Timothy chapter three. Uh, I was gonna say more about what what happened last week, but I'll just show show you what the Lord showed me um, as I was wrestling through um, just sort of a bit of a crisis. First of all, um, I thought that He was purposing to do something that I jumped to conclusions on, so that was the main thing. Um, I sometimes fill in the gaps. When I'm hearing something from the Lord, um, and I feel like it's not the whole picture that I want, I will fill in, like, it's pretty bad. Um, And last week was an example of how that can go awry. But I just fill in the blanks of what I think it should be, and so then I end up in the wrong place. Instead of just accepting the word... Um, and not trying to run ahead of the Lord. Um, I'm like, okay, got it, go. And I can end up off a cliff, which is what happened last week. But the Lord also showed me that I've spent a lot of my existence as a Christian wondering, I mean, and this is the picture that he gave me. I worked for a long time at a camp um, in the desert, and there they had a Western theme, and there they would actually use horse-drawn wagons to get the kids to the campers. And then um, when I worked there, they would use these wagons um, to take kids to like certain like activities during the day. And um, it was pretty cool. I mean, and, but I rem- <laughs> but the Lord was showing me, yeah, you're pretty much in the back of the wagon wondering riding along wondering if you were actually out of the wagon all the while sitting in the wagon and so i thought wow what a stupid picture what i mean what not a stupid picture what a stupid way to live um and a ridiculous image um i don't know if maybe i'm the only one but for those of us who have like made it a habitual to kind of um second guess yourself second guess your motive second guess everything that you do pretty much um i'm a detailed person and so i i dissect and i just continue to dissect um when i when i write a song i dissect the emotion so i can spell it out in the song right if you have to be able to um with songwriting you have to be able to uh build up to that uh emotional response that you're wanting the listener to have and so you need to dissect it uh, taylor swift is really good at this um you're you're going along you're hearing the, this these lyrics and they're descriptive and then then she gets to that that oh man yeah point where you know you've been there um 
And so I'm busy dissecting things and I dissect what I think I dissect. What I did last week, I dissect, dissect what they're thinking and I dissect what, what they could possibly mean, be meaning and it's just on, on and on and on. And it was like, you've spent most of your Christian life sitting in the back of the wagon wondering if you're out of the wagon while you're in the wagon. And you're never going to be out of the wagon. You belong to me. Stop it. And it, yeah, so it's still rough because you can break your own heart. I know that's odd, but or that sounds odd, but you can um, with your in this. I mean, uh, what in this mindset? I guess you could say in this in this. Oh, sidelining yourself. You can sideline yourself a lot. You can sabotage yourself a lot. You can not even know. And and now, I can't say that I'm totally healed because I'm afraid I'm going to do it again. And it's so freaking painful to do it. Um, like, I don't have, I mean, I'm not sitting here. At first, I was like, God, why did you do this? But then as, as I was, I didn't run away from the word or anything like that. As I was reading the word and I was praying and God showing me that it was actually, you know, these are the steps that happened. These are the things that happened. These are the lines of thinking that you went down. Um, I was just so paralyzed that I would do it again. And this big gash in my heart, um, you know, I know it'll heal, but I'm like, uh, I don't want to move forward. I'm afraid I'm going to roll off one more time. Um, but God is faithful. And so it's been, it's kind of a miracle to get here today and do this podcast. So we can praise the Lord over that. But it does coincide with what we're going to talk about here in 2 Timothy 3. So I'll pray and then we'll read 2 Timothy 3. Lord, uh, I pray that you would help us to uh, not be self-sabotagers and sideline ourselves in the, in the effort to see your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth. We have so much to learn. We have so many ways that we can grow. But help us to fight the urge to grab what it is we need to work on and try to do these things in our own strength. There's so give us pause today, give us clarity today. Clarity is what I'm specifically asking for. I feel a lot of times I, I'm grappling around in the dark and you're not the author of confusion. So help us to humble ourselves, help us to see a little more clearly today how to walk with you closer. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read, let's, you know, not too long, Second Timothy chapter 3, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, 
boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious, gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. For among them are those who enter the households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth, men of deprived mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres' folly was also. Now you, you've allowed my teaching con you sorry you followed my teaching conduct purpose faith patience love perseverance persecutions and suffering such as to me at Antioch such as happened to me at Antioch and Icium, Iconium and at Lystra what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord and out of them all the Lord rescued me Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So, Paul is hammering in further this idea that that and in reference to um in the previous chapter um then referenced again in the first book of first timothy um how that men were going off on these tangents and it he seems to be saying that you need to nip it in the bud now. Things are going to get worse. And he gives these descriptors, right? And the real clincher is after you go through lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, unloving, inconsolable, irreconcilable Sarah malicious gossips without self-control holding and then verse 5 it says holding to a form of godliness like I would put all those things previous to, to verse 5 in another category altogether and that would be irreligious 
And I don't see irreligious here in this little list, listy list we got going. And Paul seems to be saying, it's bad now. It's going to get worse. But that doesn't mean we don't nail it down. Now, this could bring up all, all kinds of things about this kingdom, if the kingdom is coming, if we are setting up the kingdom. My true, honest, sincere belief is that it, things will get worse until Jesus brings a new kingdom. Now, I understand that people under, think that we are Jesus on this earth and that we are bringing it. I don't have that. I don't have that. Um, uh, eschatology, is that the term for it? I don't have that viewpoint about the end times. Um, I think that we can both agree that we need to be faithful and that we risk a lot by not being faithful. We risk deceiving ourselves. We risk being exposed we risk, and, and the thing about it is, Paul's not necessarily saying, it, stick to the plot is what you hear from, from Paul. Stick to the plot. But there isn't a lot to be done for that wayward heart, that wicked heart, that evil heart that doesn't want to change. And so what do you do? What do you do if you're if they're in your church? What do you do if they're in your house? What do you do? If, what do you do when the evil is up close and personal in your business? In your business. Stick to the plot. And what is this plot? Christ died, was buried, and rose again. That's the plot. That's the only plot we need to be concerned about. When Paul says, I preach Christ... That means whatever he was going to be defined by, however people were going to perceive him, and whatever persecutions he was going to run up against, whatever circumstances were not going to come his way, He knew that his hope was secure. His purpose was clear. And that his message was not going to change. I 
I wrestled this with this a lot this last week. Is it, am I going to have, I'm sort of fed up with all of these, whether I'm sidelining myself. Okay. I was just so tired. I'm just still am so tired. I'm, I, I don't know. Is it worth it? Who's whatever fault, you know, you get to the end of, of a really bad relationship, a toxic relationship. And by that time, you don't even care who's at fault. You're just tired. And I don't have a toxic relationship with Jesus. But the testing and the failing and the getting up and the dark and the groping around in the dark, not seeing anything, not that that's necessarily the end game is to see how many likes on my songs. That's not it. That's not it. I was just tired. And if, and if you can want to call that a certain form of, that's not persecution, but it is a form of hardship. I, we could put it that way. Self-inflicted or not. I rest. Is my message the same? Is my hope the same? Is my purpose the same? And I can tell you from having bottomed out more times than Humpty Dumpty Christ is the same. And he told me as I was like I might be done with you this last week and not willing to really voice that and we don't voice that in Christian circles or whatever but here I am <laughs> the Lord was like well that's fine but I'm not getting rid of you I don't care where you go Sarah I don't care if you make your bed in hell you are still mine and that's what I needed to hear. Paul is past this. Paul has learned that what whatever circumstances he finds himself in to be content. You don't just content is not the end goal. It's knowing that Christ is at the bottom. That Christ is who this is all about. 
and that to know him better and to see he is faithful and that and to know that he will drag you out of whatever pit you find yourself in. That is the only message for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. Sometimes the only way we can get to that point. Apparently for me, it takes intense suffering. Is through suffering. Oh man. Don't get the idea I'm, I'm as tired of Jesus as I, as I am of myself. I'm really not tired of Jesus. Because the more I see the 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 scales falling off the more i can get my eyes focused the more I, the more beautiful he becomes so it really isn't and the more he's able to heal the more i reach out in my pain the more i find myself at the bottom but say lord you do the same the more i die the more he lives Through me. I'm really just tired of myself. Just, oh, learn why don't you? Why can't you get it? I'm dragging along this flesh through this life, dragging along this. Oh, and my, yo, re, rebel heart. Rebel. Sometimes. It fights, and I'm like, I just sit on the side and go, mm hmm. Nasty. My heart is nasty. And it would win. And take me to places I don't want to go. Were it not for the grace of God. Verse 14 of the previous chapter, remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. So if we aren't supposed to be listening to words, if we are not supposed to be wrangling over words, if we are not supposed to be arguing over the meaning of words, because, I mean, some of us grew up in churches and that's what we were supposed to be doing. We were supposed to be abstaining from those churches that were just free for all. We're supposed to be standing on the word of truth. What is the truth? And we just divide, divide, divide. Like, you know, split hairs. Well, are they Calvinists? Are they Armenian? Are they this? Are they this? And the, is this this? And does this, 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 this? this and somewhere down in these little rabbit trail circles rabbit trail side lies a sideline church who forgot 
Jesus. And maybe they didn't allow when the suffering came, when they were attacked, they thought, this is bad, like me. This is not good. This must not be God's will. And they quickly found their way out of the suffering. But what does it say here? And what did we just read? For those that live godly will suffer persecution. You will suffer if you're going to live godly. If you're going to be godly. So that fire that God was going to use to refine, to reform, to bring you to a broader scope, you decided, because Sarah decided, she decided on an individual level, nope, her pain tolerance is somewhere in her toes. She's like, this must not be God's will, no, mm -mm. little fire, mm -mm. I'm already out the building. I'm afraid we have churches already off the wagon. Because they decided suffering wasn't part of their purpose. And so we go. We continue to argue about stupid things. We continue to argue about the color of the chairs. We continue to argue. And basically, we're right because they're wrong. That is the level of certainty we bottom out on. We are right because they're wrong. That is our whole theology. What, is, what does Paul say? I preach Christ. He's right when everyone's wrong. He's the truth when everyone's wrong. He's the way when everyone's the wrong way. He's the life when everyone is what? Dead in their works, in their purposes, in their plans. Verse 19, nevertheless, of the last chapter, chapter 2, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now, now, we did this last week, or last the last time I did, two weeks ago, whatever. When we make this choice, right? Are we going to stay this, as a church, are we going to stay this clay vessel? Or are we going to shine? Because what that avenue is suffering. Are we going to go to a broader place? Often that avenue is suffering. It was for Paul. And he says it will be for those who are godly. Why? 
Why is that the avenue? And I... There are several examples scripturally that I can give you as to why suffering is the avenue. But I can say our concept, our modern concept of accomplishment, it, in our modern uh, definition of accomplishment, it, it is not readily advertised that suffering and pain and struggle are part of whatever it is that's accomplished. It's left out because in this fight for your soul between light and dark. It's better, if you are the enemy, it's better to have you ignorant and unused to the idea of suffering than to realize that suffering is part of the journey and will lead you further on to God. Because then the enemy can deceive you into thinking thorns mean it's the wrong direction. Thorns on top of the glorious head of your Savior did not mean I, if he had stopped, we would all be in trouble right now. the wrong direction. So if we can switch being the last person ever on this blooming earth to switch this concept. Now I'm still working on it. From suffering is bad to suffering is for a purpose. And it's probably going to be part of my reality. If I'm not going through suffering right now, I'm aimed most likely at suffering ahead. The enemy wants you to think it's bad so that you can back out. So that you can go another... I mean, it's brilliant, right? I mean, forget. Forget about what he does to those people that he has tortured into selling their souls to him. Forget about all that. That's an other kind of suffering that the Lord will not subject you to. Or at least we'll 
rescue. Lord knows whose are his. But it's a brilliant tactic to convince the everyday believer that when I go up against the modern day everyday believer, when I go up against a red light, that means to backtrack off the road and take another turn. Imagine if we all drove that way. Oh, it's a stoplight. I think I'll back up and go on the turn. But imagine it would be utter chaos. Imagine changing your mind where you want to go every time you hit a stoplight. Oh, I guess this isn't the right direction. I was going to go to the grocery store. Now I guess I'll go to the bank. Imagine doing that. And yet this is how the Christians live their life. Oh, this stop this is how Sarah lived her life. Oh, there's a, there's a barrier. I think I'll just get off this road. So does the church move forward? Oh, we, we see that this was an issue back in when First and Second Timothy was written. Does the church that honestly know? Practically no. You cannot just change your mind where you want to go at every stoplight. You will get seriously, literally, Nowhere. We cannot operate this way. Peace out. Again, thanks for listening. Catch the next part of this series, usually Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. You can also find Underground Crowds on Twitter, Patreon, Bandcamp, or undergroundcrowds.com.